you are listening to Saturdays with the Story Dude, a bi-weekly podcast about the world of screenwriting, screenwriters, and of course, the television and film business. Now, one thing that I am finding is when it comes to the world of filmmaking, there are a few filmmakers who choose to make their films in a nothing on a format, in fact, a dying format, which is film, actual film stock. Now, there is nothing wrong in doing this. There is nothing wrong in a filmmaker choosing this format or this medium. Now, given the fact that more and more cameras and more and more filmmakers are moving towards digital, recording their films on digital with higher frame rates and more flexibility in the footage that's being recorded, how you can review the footage and all that. And given the costs associated with developing the film, the very restrictive technical specs of film, and given the fact that there is limited number of ISO value, or in the case of film stock, it's measured in ASA, which is practically similar to ISO, but ASA is sort of like the old term for sensitivity, light sensitivity. Well, there's nothing wrong, like I said, in choosing this format. It is their preference. It is what they choose for their style of filmmaking and to voice their films, or rather, their style of filmmaking. But... If you wanted to use film on every movie you make, that in itself is a no-brainer. Because, as I mentioned, there's the high cost of developing film. There aren't many labs that deal with this. In fact, compared to yesteryear, when film stock was more popular, there is no, or rather, there are quite a few labs that still specialize in this. Now, where you find them is up to you. It's up to how you do the legwork in finding these places. But in all honesty, 
given the fact that digital can now imitate film look through inbuilt effects or through post production through your editing software i don't know why you wouldn't choose digital on top of applying the kind of filming effect film ish effect that you're looking for now i get it film stock is analog and there's a certain tone or certain look to it that you like but let's let's go over a few features few things here the first of which i'm going to mention is now depending on what film stock you go for each single one of those film stock they comes in different lengths in different ASA settings now for example you may have a uh, film stock that is rated say ASA 400 but when you're filming in low light that could play a detriment to your film that's number 1 second is the minute you expose a piece of film to light that's it it's exposed it's useless you can't get it back now also you have to be careful with the shots you can't just rewind and review the shot that does not what film stock does you have to keep continuing and then send it off to the lab the processing lab to develop it and hope that everything works out okay now we know in a perfect world that is possible but we know that it's not a perfect world especially the nature of filmmaking things keep changing all the time now recently i was involved in a production where there were quite a few problems and i dealt with it but i digress so given the fact that everything changes in a split second the uh notion that film stock is better than digital in some ways that is true now if that's the kind of look you're going for great but when you have when you choose to decide to go on a film stock what film stock to buy 
now there's different lengths here. Now you have no idea how long that's going to, of a recording time that's going to give you. Like when I'm going, when I was going to film school, we had a processing lab, a, f- a film stock processing lab, Photochem. In fact, that was the only lab that's doing it. The second thing about film is the length. Now, there's different varieties of lengths. You get 30 meters, or should I say 30 and a half meters, a.k.a. 100 feet. You got 1,000 feet. And you've also got 5,000 feet film stock. But you really have to work out how long that is. How long it's going to let you. Now, keep in mind that film operates, film cameras that accept this film stock operate at 24 frames per second. Now, you're going to have to calculate how many frames you're going to get in that 100 feet or 1,000 feet or 5,000 feet film stock. You're going to have to calculate the time and you're going to have to, you know, hope for the best, that everything's all right. Now, the other thing is the setup time that it takes to you know load a film stock into a film camera it's tricky and it's time consuming to say the least I know this because I've had a go at it when I was going to film school we had to practice it we had to practice loading a film stock some film stock into a film camera and I gotta tell you pretty difficult to know what you're doing when you can't even see what you're doing while installing a film or while setting up film stock in a film in a film camera luckily digital cameras or DSLRs or mirrorless cameras as it's going on these days they don't have a problem Bada-bing, you're there. Bada-bing, you're recording. Which is why there are only a certain situations where film is recommended. That is, if you like the look of film and if you want to, shall we say, have want to get a film look, for either a scene or a particular film that you believe that you have envisioned will be better on film. Now, I don't know of any filmmaker that I've come across that 
wants to f- use film, even the cinematographer that I was working with previously didn't even use film. Most of the film community or the cinematographer community has moved on. But anyway, after the break, I'm just going to be discussing what you would think to be why TV shows, why there aren't any interesting sci-fi TV shows these days. So, that's next. So stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by Spring Whales Productions, where your journey begins. Welcome back. Now, before the break, I was talking to you about film stock. Its advantages, disadvantages, and I primarily focused on the disadvantages. Now, you may be thinking, I may have done this on purpose, but I assure you, that's not the case. So I'm going to move on to quality TV shows, and especially quality sci-fi TV shows, and why there's less of it, and I'm not exactly sure what's causing it, but one thing I can tell you for sure is that quality sci-fi shows I don't know, there's like, um, whenever there is one, like for example, let's take The Flash. Now, you would think that there would be an episode every week, but with The Flash, and with shows like Superman and Lois, I found out that the frequency is inconsistent. Well, sometimes it's a fortnight, sometimes it's a week. It's really uncertain. It's really unpredictable. Well, I guess it takes time to come up with a quality episode rather than filler episodes. If you have to figure out filler episodes every week, I guess that's better than than those because I came across people online, both online and maybe one or two people in real life that suggested that filler episodes are not good of a show, in a show. But I also remember there were shows like Sliders and Smallville and Arrow 
The Flash, of course, now Superman and Lois. And it, it made me wonder. It made me wonder what it is that is so unique about these shows that needs extra care and extra attention into put, coming up with quality episodes. Maybe people aren't expecting a weekly endeavor. I don't know. But if they are, the producers or the showrunners aren't doing a great job of delivering. What I will say, though, even though it takes time to pump out a quality episode, I would say to not involve any critics. And soon as you, the showrunner, believes in your story, believes in your character, critics are nothing. All they are there to do is pull you down. Their job is to look for anything and everything that's wrong. Which is why my recommendation for a TV show, a quality TV show, including sci-fi TV shows, is don't hire any critic. Don't have a critic. Don't have a gatekeeper. Now, I know gatekeepers do certain things that prevent unqualified or, you know, it those uh, mediocre writers who want to make it big in the industry to flood your mailboxes or to flood your uh, offices. But I will suggest this. You either choose your critic carefully or you don't have them at all. Now, I did say don't have them, but... In the context, I'm going to give you a little context here. Don't have unqualified critics. Critics who don't know what the hell they're doing. And critics who just criticize just for the heck of it. And just because they... think they're smart. They believe themselves to be smart, which is not the case. Now, back to this whole TV show thing. Now, I really wish that there would be more sci-fi TV shows with more creativity, like as before. And when that happens... Quality shines, and we let the market decide on this, whether or not a show is going to go ahead or not. 
Now, there were a couple of shows, one of them being The Secret Circle, that showed promise, but for whatever reason, it got canceled by the showrunners. Maybe pressure from the critics, from someone else that we're not being told of, and... The uh, bad criticism from online users or online bullies, I should say, dare I say. Now, when all of this is removed from the factor and if the show enough concentrates on believing in the characters and the show himself it would minimize being forced to come up with something new with some new material that isn't any good so I really hope this changes pretty soon and with that being said thank you for listening this has been Jared Dean Winchester also known as the story dude until i hear from you again or talk to you again don't forget to turn that page